show. Let's have some fun on a Friday and ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Okay. <sighs> surprise, surprise. We have coronavirus news. <laughs> Gosh, these people. I'll get to that in a second. We have Salvation Army news, which is a little bit disappointing. Apparently, math is racist. There are no guests. There are no phone calls today. It's just a fun day, and it's a Friday, and it's a Black Friday. So, uh, yeah, avoid the stores at all costs. I'll never understand it. I Look, you know I like saving money. Maybe not as much as Chris, but I like saving money. I'm not going to stand in line with the animals for two hours to save $20 on a television set. I'd rather not watch TV. But I'll tell you what it is, Chris. I think people enjoy it. I think people enjoy the struggle of it. But every year, every year, you know we're going to be treated with it. I'm going to put, you know what, we're going to put some up on the show Twitter when we get them. Every year we're going to get the videos of people in fist fights over an Xbox or something like that. What? That's probably a really good point. Chris said society's too easy right now. That's the only struggle they've got. It probably is. It probably, it, it's madness to me, but whatever. We are marching on. I told you I would be here, and I am on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. You sent in some great questions, and we're going to get to all those, but let's just, let's just address the elephant in the room here. Headline is WHO meets to discuss new... Heavily mutated COVID-19 variants. Apparently it's in South Africa. They're calling it something like Omicorn. I'm not even sure. Oh, yeah. It's not Delta, Chris. It's O-M-I-C-O-R-M. I I don't know. What? Omicron? Oh, that's even dumber. Who comes up with this stuff? Just name it Bob or something. Anyway, the BBC is reporting it. Uh, somebody has described it as horrific and there's one thing about it. It's, you know, coronavirus mutation. There's one thing about it that you should really know. Not only is it highly contagious, it's highly contagious and deadly to kids. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. I just want to say, I am so thrilled that this news coincides with this brand new push to get kids vaccinated. Man, that's so weird. I just, I mean, look, if I was a cynical guy, I might be looking at this with the side eye. But me, I trust everything the system tells me, Chris, and I'm thrilled. I'm just thrilled that at this time that's so dangerous for kids, it's taking place at the exact time they're pushing for you to vaccinate your kids. Wow. Isn't that so cool? I mean, I tell you, but you you know there are some cynical types out there that are calling, oh, come on. That's what they're saying right now. They're saying, this is crap. I don't trust it. Not me. Not me. I'm on my seventh booster shot, and I can't wait to give my kids all their boosters, too. How long are we going to how long are we going to accept this? How long? And you know what really sucks? I mean as long as we're on the subject, you know what really genuinely sucks? What if there is a new dangerous mutation? What if there, what if there genuinely is? And there might be. I mean I don't know. What if there is? 
You could do nothing to convince me of that at this point in time because you lied to me for the last two years about everything. You stumbled and bumbled your way. It lied through your teeth. You grabbed a whole bunch of power. You, you, you destroyed lives, destroyed economies, killed people. Remember, lockdowns have killed people, many of them. And now, two years of this, now you're up, ah, there's a new dangerous mutation. Sorry. There's that story about a boy keeps saying there's a wolf here and everyone comes out to help the boy and the wolf's never there. And finally the boy's out there and the wolf does show up and he tells everybody, come help me, the wolf's here. And they're all, ha, 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 no, there isn't. He's lying again and the boy gets eaten, ends up being wolf poop. That's where we're at now. I don't trust anything anymore. And it does show... It does show what a dangerous place we're in as a nation when citizens stop trusting their institutions. It's a dangerous place to be. It's not a good place to be. And don't get me wrong, you should distrust your institutions here. They are broken, severely broken. But that's not a good place to be. You realize how unhealthy it is that 50, 60 70% of the country, probably at least, when they hear the words, well, the letters, FBI, they roll their eyes. Can you believe that? The FBI is a punchline now. People hear the word FBI and they go, oh gosh, here we go. What, What are they politicking about now? The Justice Department. These are important institutions. Uh, yeah, they're a joke to most Americans. That's where we are now as a country. And no, I don't trust the CDC anymore. I don't trust the FDA anymore. I saw something else over the weekend. The FDA, on my life, I'm not making this up, okay? The FDA has said that it's going to take them over 50 years to release to the public what's in the vaccine. Not kidding. Oh, oh, wait, Chris, it gets better. It gets better. The reason it's going to take over 50 years, you're going to love this. It's not like some patent thing or something like that. The reason it's going to take 50 years is they're understaffed, they said. They only have 10 people working on the Freedom of Information Act requests. No, I'm not making this up. They only have 10 people working on the Freedom of Information Act requests, and there's just not enough. Look, there's not enough hours in the day. So, look, you go out. Get your 19th booster shot, and okay, don't don't pay any attention to the fact we have all these young, fit, professional athletes and in their careers with heart problems. Don't worry about that. Go get your 19th booster shot, every single person. Get it now. Get it or you're fired. Get it or I'll dishonorably discharge you from the military. Get it or, or else. Get it or your kid can't go to school. Oh, okay, what's in it? Oh, I don't know. We'll get back to you in half a century. Come on now. Come on now. When's enough enough? When's enough enough? I, I got this email right off the bat. Dear Jesse, the Oracle, the vaccine was approved for kids last week, and there's a new variant of COVID this week. If memory serves me correctly, this is similar to what happened in India with the Delta variant. Do you think this is just a new marketing campaign or, or a result of kids getting a vaccine they don't need? It's all a marketing campaign. It's all a marketing campaign. This, this... This stopped being about coronavirus and stopping coronavirus about five minutes after coronavirus got to America. I mean, 
We all have to acknowledge that. And I know that's so hard for people to acknowledge. But the truth is, the reason I've been right about so much of this stuff, I mean, I obviously jokingly call myself the Oracle, but the reason I have been right about all this coronavirus stuff and what's coming next and where we're going, it's not because I have any level of intelligence. As you well know, I do not. The reason I've been right about all this stuff is I understand this is all about money and power. When you simply accept that it's all about money and power, everything makes sense. Why are we one of the only industrialized countries in the world who doesn't accept natural immunity? Even in Europe, they accept natural immunity. In America, nope, have to get a vaccine. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Why have we never properly assessed and publicized exactly who is at risk for this virus and who is it who is not at a big risk for this virus? That's standard for any illness, any illness. And different illnesses attack different body types differently. They just do. Some people are in danger from things. Sometimes it's on a skin color for Pete's sake. What is it? Uh, sickle cell anemia that goes after black people? Okay, well, if there was a sickle cell anemia epidemic, would we quarantine everyone? Would we specifically focus on black people? I think we'd specifically focus on black people, would we not? And I realize that's not, that's not contagious. That's not what I'm saying. But you get what I mean. Why have we not sat down and assessed who's in danger? Because it's all about money and power. We've known, I mean, they, they keep putting out these articles like new discovery, coronavirus is, is uniquely dangerous to overweight people. We knew that like 15 minutes after it got here. Everyone's just been lying about it the whole time. This is all about money and power. Everything is about money and power. Money and power. New variant. Just in time for the kids vaccine. What a shock. Oh, and speaking of darkness, before I get to the rest of these questions, I have a dark prediction here. Hang on. Truth. Attitude. Jesse Kelly. Make it there. I'll make it. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Did I tell you my story about that song, Chris? It's, oh, it was so cool. It was so cool. All right, let me, let me tell you a quick story before I get to my dark prediction. I have a, I have a quick story. So... I was living in Arizona after I got out of the Marine Corps and got married, was pretty newly married, a couple of years, and we were wanted to take a sweet vacation. Now, I mean, obviously it's not too extravagant, didn't have a lot of money, but we'd been saving for a couple of years, and I mean meticulously saving, opened up a new bank account so we could move the money. I mean, this was a focused effort here, trying to get, uh, I think it was three or four grand so we could fly to Hawaii or somewhere, you know, take, stay at a hotel. And we start saving, start saving, start saving. Pause right there. I am a humongous New York Giants fan. Everyone knows it. People ask me why I'm a Giants fan because I've never actually lived in New York. And I have a horrible explanation as to why, but it's the truth. You know I was born in Ohio. My dad was a huge Bengals fan. His dad was a huge Steelers fan, Pittsburgh Steelers fan, because we were in Toronto, Ohio, which is only about 45 minutes away. He had season tickets to the Steelers. All my cousins were Browns fans or Bengals fans. I, I know everyone's going to be shocked by this, was a bit of a rebellious little twerp. 
And so when I was age six or seven, the Giants were just dominating people back then. The Giants were awesome. I said, oh, that's the team I like. And I, that's how I picked the Giants. And I've been a lifelong Giants fan ever since. And when I say fan, I mean my oldest son, James, when he was born, the wife agreed. She thought it was an awesome idea. His room, his baby room was Giants. We painted the walls. Giants blue. The 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 uh, rug in his in, in right by his crib was a football field, New York Giants football field. He was in New York Giants gear. I mean, when I say Giants fan, I mean Giants fan. I used to, I don't watch the NFL anymore, but I used to have, just because of all that Black Lives Matter stuff, I don't watch the NFL anymore, but I used to have the entire roster memorized. I, and I mean the backups. I just knew everything. I say that to say this. The New England Patriots, people will remember, were dominant forever when it was Belichick and Brady, and they had that one season where they were undefeated. They were undefeated, they were undefeated, they were undefeated. Tom Coughlin's coaching the New York Giants. The Giants weren't even that good. They barely made the playoffs, but then they caught fire and they make it all the way to the Super Bowl. Wife and I were out with some friends at a sports bar in the NFC Championship game, and all of a sudden, I think it was the Packers, if I remember right, beat the Packers, and boom, we're going to the Super Bowl. I'm living in Tucson. The Super Bowl that year was up by Phoenix in Glendale, Arizona, two hours away. And we didn't get caught up in the moment. We woke up the next day, and we said, we have to go, right? A lifelong Giants fan, they're playing in the Super Bowl against the undefeated Patriots. Chris, get the song ready because I'm going to want to hear it again. They're playing against the Patriots. right? So, so we decided all that money we had saved up to take a vacation, we were going to buy two Super Bowl tickets. And obviously these were the nosebleed of nosebleed seats, and they were still like $2,000 a ticket. Oh, I know, Chris. I know. You should see Chris's face right now. Uh, but... It was everything. We figured life's about experiences. And it is. Life's about experiences. So we spent every dime. We didn't end up taking a vacation. We spent every dime we'd been saving up to go to the Super Bowl. We go up there. And we do the festivities right. We do all the pregame stuff. But we're still assuming, I mean, okay, our chances are not great. And the Patriots were not only undefeated that year. They were destroying teams by 50. They were just murdering everybody. We show up. We watch the game. The NFL fans will know what I'm talking about. The David Tyree helmet catch, the miraculous game. The Giants end up winning. They beat the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. And a Super Bowl is a different environment. A lot of people have been to a lot of a lot of people here in the sound of my voice. You've been to a professional sports game at some point in time, and it can get. I'll tell you, especially football games. I actually don't like them. Again, old fuddy duddy Jesse's coming back here. I don't. I don't like 50-year-old men so drunk they can't stand up. And, you know, I'm not exactly a nun here. You want to drink like that, fine. It's your business. I've done it several times at my house. I'll go in and go to sleep. Wake up, drink water, hate myself for it. I don't do it out in public. I don't get in fights. I don't chuck, chuck well, I don't get in fights anymore. I don't chuck whiskey bottles at people. Last time I took my wife to one of these games, she got a whiskey bottle and a hitter. Someone threw it. It's just so the Super Bowl, though, is a different environment this, because it costs so much to get in. You don't get a ton of that. You get a ton of that when it's 75 bucks for a ticket and then you get blind drunk in the morning and then you sh- then you walk into the football game and you can't hardly stand. You don't do that at the Super Bowl. Everybody paid a fortune to get in the daggone place. 
So it was just a different environment. They were, the fans were all into it, but there was no fights. There was none of that stuff. Long story short, the Giants win the game, and it was this miracle. It wasn't supposed to happen. And the New England fans just silently walked out. I mean, they weren't they weren't nasty at all. Again, it was Super Bowl, different environment. They weren't nasty at all. That's, uh, that's quite a gut punch, undefeated, and then you lose the Super Bowl. But they, uh, they, they kept their chins up and walked out. All the Giants fans kind of stayed behind a little bit. And then we all started walking out of the stadium together. And I'll never forget this to the day I die. They started playing it. Started playing the song, Chris. They started playing Sinatra's New York, New York. And all of us. It had to be, I would guess, 30,000, 40,000 of us. It was, it was more Giants fans than, than Patriots fans, I would guess. But 30,000, 40,000 of us started singing this song together as we walked out of the stadium. It was, man, I'm gonna, this is going to sound so corny. It was magical, man. It was. It was. It was one of the coolest experiences ever. It was just, the song came on on the speakers, and they'd had the ceremony, and we were all leaving, and people just started singing. And we, everyone knows that song, and we all jumped in together and started singing it. Gosh, that was a sweet day. That was a sweet day. All right. I have an ugly story. I have asked Dr. Jesse questions, and I have a prediction of sorts. I, I, I want to say of sorts because I don't have specifics, but I am a little bit worried about something. Okay, that's a lie. I'm very worried about something. There's something out there that has me very concerned. I was sitting there yesterday after Thanksgiving. I was just had some time to myself, and I was sitting there thinking about it, and I am worried about something. I'll explain what that something is in just a sec. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. All right, all right, all right. I have to get this dark prediction off my chest, and it's not a specific one, so it's just going to be a big fat cliffhanger for everybody. Ate some food yesterday, had a great Thanksgiving. I'll go over that in a minute, and we'll... we'll Talk about Ask Dr. Jesse questions and everything else. Remember, no guests, no phone calls today, just a lot of this. Um, sitting down, and I was thinking to myself, boy, Democrats, the, the communists are in super, super, super deep trouble going into the midterms. They obviously already know that. They're, they, they're polling all this stuff. They know they're in super deep trouble going into the midterms, almost undoubtedly. Republicans are taken back to House. They might have a super majority in the House if this gets much worse because inflation's going to keep going up. It's just really, really bad. Okay, fine, fine. And then I was sitting there thinking, wow, in 2024, I don't, I don't see what their options are. What are their options? And we've talked about this before. You and me have talked about this before. I mean, Kamala Harris, honestly, I'm not even making any jokes. She's just awful. Everyone hates her. Sure, her popularity is below Joe Biden's, and she doesn't even have responsibilities. That's very hard, and Joe Biden's is low. We've talked about butt gig. Butt gig is gay. Gay is going to be a big problem when you're a Democrat. You have to look at things demographically because they've always divided up the nation that way. Well, butt gig is gay, and Democrats need a gigantic portion of the black community 
to vote for them or they can't win the presidency. It's why Barack Obama got elected twice. It's why Joe Biden got elected. They have to be in the 90s or they're not with with black people or they're not going to get elected. Uh, this is not my opinion. This is poll after poll after poll shows being gay is a big problem for black people. It is something they very much do not like. Okay, so let's just assume I'm right on that and let's set aside butt gig. And plus, I never thought he was that good of a politician anyway. I thought he came off as kind of angry, kind of snotty. What, Chris? Chris said he hates Christians, and I, I've brought that up before. It is obvious. He, when he, people forget that in the debate. He, anytime Christianity or something like that would come up, he really has a clear axe to grind there. I mean, who knows what that, the reasoning behind that. But I don't know that that would necessarily kill him because, honestly, let's just be frank about this. Most of the Christians you know are on the right anyway. I mean, you're not going to offend much of the Democrat base by being anti-Christian. But, okay, so let's set aside Kamala and Buckig. They don't have great options. Maybe Castro, but Castro's super, super far left. Uh, Elizabeth Warren's too old. She just, she just is. She's too old. She's crazy. Bernie's getting to be going to be way too old. So I'm, so I was sitting there thinking, and I was actually, I was having a good moment. I was thinking to myself, man, alive. They're in trouble in 2024 too. I don't. I mean, I, I hate to get ahead of myself here, but I don't see how they can overcome it. What are they going to do? Yada yada yada. And then it hit me. I thought to myself. But they're not just going to lay down and take that. You know it. I know it. You remember? Do you remember how hard the system worked to purge Donald Trump from office? The insane rhetoric, the Nazi stuff, impeaching him twice. Uh, the system is at a place now where it feels like it is on cruise control and it will not tolerate disruptions to it. It will not. The, whoever the next Republican is better get ready because he's going to get treated worse than Trump. What are they going to do about 2024? And do keep in mind, keep something in mind when I bring that up. Remember what they did last time. You do remember that there were doctors out there Claiming that uh, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine were treatments of for coronavirus, they were they were recommending it early on. I'm not saying that I'm not a doctor, but there were doctors out there, licensed medical professionals were out there saying it. Trump talked about hydrochloroquine. We had Democrat politicians in this country essentially banning medication that doctors were recommending. So coronavirus would keep getting worse so they could destroy the economy and win an election. Do you understand that? Wrap your mind around that. We had politicians in America virtually guaranteeing that people, mostly old people, would drown in their own lung fluid so they could have power. That's how committed these people are to power. They'll spread death in misery, without a second thought. Without a second thought. Remember the riots last summer? The St. George Floyd riots? As you know, because you listen to the show, you know those were organized and funded from the highest levels. And we had the mayors in those towns. Bill de Blasio. Bill de Blasio. Bill de Blasio allowed and practically cheered for his own city burning? 
That's what these people will do for power. Bill de Blasio, the mayor of the greatest city in the world, in my opinion. But you know it's my favorite city. He allowed it to burn and cheered it on his own city. He's the mayor. He allowed it to happen. That's how much they want power. So back to my dark prediction, and I don't know what it is. I don't have a way. I don't have a way to to quantify this. I, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know whether it's ballot stuff. I don't know whether they're going to try something new with coronavirus. I don't know whether they're going to go for the mass rioting and looting again. I, but maybe it's something economically. I, I don't know. I don't know. And I, I don't want to be tinfoil on my head guy either. But I do know this. If they're staring at a guaranteed loss in 2024 or a likely loss, as they are right now. Now, 2024 is a ways away. But if they're staring at a likely loss in 2024, the communists, I promise you, are not going to look around and go, ah, oh, well, you know, let's we'll get them next time. No big deal. No way. That's not how they think. That's not how they operate. If they're staring at a likely loss in 2024, they're going to look around and say, okay, what do we need to do? Because we will do anything, absolutely anything. They allowed old people to drown in their own lung fluid, denying them a potential life-saving medication so they could get Donald Trump out of office. What do you think they'll do to keep someone like Ron DeSantis or Trump again from walking back in the White House? A lot. It'd be a lot shorter list if you listed the things they wouldn't do. A lot. So I know that, look, I wasn't trying to be out there dark pie in the sky guy, but I'm telling you, I am concerned about it. I am concerned about the stuff they're going to pull. I'm concerned about where inflation's going. Like This stuff, this stuff has me worried. It does. Dr. Jesse, please, he puts this in capital letters. I love this. Please do not say my name on the air. Look, Bob, I'm not going to say your No, I'm kidding. His name's not Bob. His name's, I would never do that. Look, remember, you can email me anything you want. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. You're asked Dr. Jesse questions for Fridays, your love, your hate, your death threats. All your emails go right to Chris. He prints them all out for me. I read every one of them. I will never respond to you. I get way too many. Plus, I'm rude, but I do read them all. I also believe in privacy. I'm the last human being on the planet who believes in privacy. I will never say your name. Even your death threats won't get your name read publicly for me ever. I believe in privacy. Unless you specifically tell me to read your name on the air, I'm never going to read your name on the air. And I certainly would never do it in a situation like this. We are going to have to unpack this one for this gentleman because he has his eyes on a pretty lady, Chris. And he's struggling with something, and we're going to go over that. We're going to go over this nasty mugging in New York because I have a question. All that next. Fighting for your freedom every day. USA! USA! The Jesse Kelly Show. There's too much confusion. The Jesse Kelly Show. Chris just asked if that was Hendrix's best song. 
Maybe, but if, the beginning of Voodoo Child is so good. I have it as one of the ringtone options on my phone. In fact, I think it might be my ringtone right now. Chris, from the very beginning, play Voodoo Child. And if you're a dude, I can't speak for the ladies. If you're a dude and you don't play air guitar when this comes on, you're not really a dude. You're a chick. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. Man, you should have seen me shredding on the air guitar. What, Chris? I was shredding on the air guitar. <laughs> All right. I have to get to the... You know what? Let's get this story before I hit the... Uh, I have to give the gentleman some advice about a young lady he's looking at. Suspect jumps 84-year-old in attempted robbery in East Harlem. 84-year-old woman. And like, I don't know why this story stuck out to me of all the stories. And I realized it's not exactly uncommon in East Harlem, but as I was thumbing through the story, one, how sad is it? Maybe I've just lived, maybe I just live a different existence. How sad is it there are 84-year-olds who have to look over their shoulder because they might get jumped and robbed? That sucks. And again, I'm sure I just have a different worldview. An 84-year-old woman should be sitting in a comfortable chair with, with some blankets on and having her kids around her and grandkids coming over to play. And she, she should probably be a good cook. You know? Instead, she's out there getting jumped. But what hit me as I, re- as I read through the story was it was another woman who jumped her. Oh, Chris, I know. Chris just raised his hands. I'm telling you, this, there's an epidemic of violent crime with women going on right now, too, and it's weird. I, I, it's very weird, and maybe that's just my old misogynistic self and a different way to look at the world, but I just don't think of women that way. I don't think of them as violent criminals. I don't. I mean, I think of them as annoying, but not vi- what, Chris? Not violent criminals. You know what I mean? I, don't, I just don't think of them that way. It's very, very odd. Very odd. Get to this man's question. Jesse, please do not say my name on the air. Need your advice with a personal matter. There's a girl in my office who I like. We've been working in the same office since one year. I have never asked her out and we have never dated. Recently, while talking to her, she told me her parents are looking for a groom for her. A little different. She doesn't know I like her, but I would very much want to marry her. And even if we never dated, man, this chick must be a dime. How do I ask her, considering we would still be working in the same office, and it would be weird if she says no to me? Thanks, and I love your show. Okay, one, buddy, well, we're going to have to go over a couple things, okay? One, maybe don't lead with the I would like to marry you thing. That can be a little, that can be a little too far, and, and you know the whole uh, uh, women want what they can't have thing? That's obviously not universally true, but there is some truth to it. You don't really want to go all in with the marriage proposal right out of the gate. So let's just set that aside. Maybe just give that a little while. Five, six months, huh? Maybe a year. Let's let's set that aside for a minute on, on the marrying thing. And by the way, I'm not one of these guys who says, oh, you should date forever before you ask her to marry you. I asked my wife after 10 months of dating. I knew. What, what are we waiting around for? I want to put a ring on your fingers. Let's start making some kids. Let's, let's get after it here. All right, so let's just set aside the marriage thing for a minute. Have you just tried asking her out? I mean, you don't have to. I understand it's intimidating to ask a woman out. And women don't appreciate this, how intimidating it is for a lot of dudes to ask them out. 
dudes, it, it, it's like a humiliation thing if they say no. Now, the only reason I ever dated as many dimes as I did was because I never cared. I didn't, you just say no. Okay, whatever. I'll go hit on your friend. It doesn't matter to me. It, didn't, it, never, it never bothered me. But I realized it is intimidating a lot, especially when I was younger, it did to me, and then I eventually just stopped caring about it. Brother, women also like dudes with some courage. Stroll right up to her. Pick a Friday. Big Friday. Stroll right up to her and say, hey, you want to go out for dinner tonight after work? It's not more complicated than that. I don't know what your budget level is. Don't think you got to break yourself either. Maybe you want to take her for uh, the sidewalk falafel, or maybe you're maybe you're rolling in the dough and you want to take her to some fancy steakhouse or something. Whatever, it doesn't matter what it is. Remember, it doesn't take money. It just takes guts. I will tell you this, and this is a fact. And there are a bunch of dimes listening to my voice right now, and they're going to tell they'll 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 repeat this. They'll tell you this is a fact. You know what dimes say all the time? All the time. Nobody asks me out. Men look at the dimes and they think either A, she's taken, oh, probably some uh, professional athletes dating her, or B, they think she's out of my league. Why do you think you see ugly dudes with dimes all the time? Because the dude, you know, you know why he got her? He was the one who had the guts to walk up and ask her out. And Chris just brought up Pete Davidson. That's a great example. The dude's got some notches on the belt at this point in time. He looks like it looks. It looks like he's sick. He looks like he needs about five double cheeseburgers, and it, it looks terrible. Yet he's dating starlet after starlet after starlet. I'm telling you, there's not a better way. There's not an easier way. You don't have to be Joe Smooth. You don't have to open with some crazy line. Although I would suggest, if you have a sense of humor, I mean, who doesn't love to laugh? Everyone loves to laugh. Chicks love a dude with a sense of humor, so maybe throw a joke or two in there. My, I told you, the wife is half Canadian. Half Canadian, Chris. She was born in America. First time I met her, I brought her a copy of that movie Canadian Bacon that, that makes fun of Canadians the whole time. You should have seen the look on her face. But I had her right then and there. There's not an easier way, pal. Walk up to her. Pick a Friday. Walk up to her and say, hey, you want to go get dinner after this if she says no and she might if she says no okay so you're gonna be wounded for half a day so what who cares what if she says yes what if she says yes in five years from now you're looking over at your wife with a couple beautiful babies running around the house and saying to yourself dang i'm the luckiest guy in the world the juice is worth the squeeze go ask that woman out now Jesse Kelly show the day after Thanksgiving. And in case you're wondering, yes, I did stuff my face full of delicious tenderloin, not turkey, Chris. We had amazing fettuccine Alfredo and the tenderloin, the marinade I had in it, it mixed in with the fettuccine Alfredo. What, Chris? What? Why does fettuccine Alfredo go with beef tenderloin? Chris, fettuccine Alfredo goes with everything. It goes with a dirty shoe. All right, fettuccine Alfredo, you're, you're such an unrefined palate, Chris. And then, and then, berry cobbler with homemade vanilla ice cream on top of it. Daggone, I ate like a king yesterday. 
Red Lobster Cheddar Bay Biscuits. What? You're the one who's white trash, Chris. All right, whatever. So, I'm looking here. We now have a travel ban. The, the, remember, we have this new coronavirus strain. It's very dangerous, especially to kids. Um, should be noted, so weird, it was detected in four people in South Africa, and all four of those people were vaccinated. Hmm. Man, that's weird. Sure are a lot of breakthrough cases with this thing. Anyway, moving on here, moving on. Uh, Joe Biden just passed down a travel ban from South Africa. That's funny. Not only South Africa, a bunch of other nations as well. All African nations. Man, that's that's very odd because what happened to this Joe Biden? Coronavirus emanated from China. A national emergency, uh, you know, worldwide alerts. The American people need to have a president who they can trust what he says about it that he is going to act rationally about it. In moments like this, this is where the credibility of a president is most needed, as he explains what we should and should not do. This is no time for Donald Trump's record of hysteria, xenophobia, hysterical xenophobia, to uh, and fear mongering. Remember when Donald Trump did it and they all accused him of xenophobia? Well, that's weird because Joe Biden just banned travel from South Africa, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Namibia, Lesotho. That is honestly the first time I've ever heard of that place. Eswatini, Mozambique. That's such a fun name to say, Chris, Mozambique. And Malawi. I'm sure I butchered all of those, but I went to community college and that's as good as you're going to get. All of a sudden we're banning travel for this new scary virus. Apparently it's messing up markets and everything else. But just remember, just remember, they discovered this in four vaccinated people. I, what is going on? Why are vaccinating people getting all these new variants? Anyone want to take a stab at that? Anybody? No? All right, we'll move on and get some more Ask Dr. Jesse questions in. I just want to once again point out, and again, if you missed any part of the show, the whole thing's available on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. On iTunes, leave a five-star rating and leave a review talking about how handsome I am. Hi, Jesse. My wife and I are expecting our first baby at the end of December. I wanted to hear what your best advice is for new parents and how we can raise our kids not to buy into this communist propaganda brainwashing our children right now. Love the show, and you can use my name if you like. One, congratulations, Zach, to you. Two, hey, man, I'm not just doing a bit when I tell you to go get those Tuttle Twins books. They really are good for toddlers. Like They have them for toddlers, and they have them all the way up to teenagers. They are entertaining. And one thing that I did not see coming when I first started getting them is how much I learn. Read with your kids. That's some of the best advice I can give you to keep them from being communists. And again, if you go to TuttleTwinsJesse.com, it gets you 35% off of them. So go. Another thing I do, and I, I, I believe in this all the way, I teach my kids to be grateful. I am always, 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 the wife too, we are constantly trying to beat that into them, not physically, obviously, how blessed they are, how blessed they are. Do you realize you have this? you realize you have that? There was a church in our area 
not my church, but there was a church in our area that did a really, really cool thing. I think churches everywhere should do it. I thought it was just awesome. It had to cost a bunch. It had to take a lot of time. But what they essentially built was a little shanty town on their church grounds, and they took some of the poorest countries in the world, and they did exact replicas of how the poor people live in those countries in this shanty town, and it was life-size, and you could go walk through it. So if there's this really poor place, you can go walk in the hut and see the family of four sleeps on this wooden bed. Child doesn't have any toys, has to play with a bucket. We took our kids down there immediately to show them this is how people in the world live. Now think about what you have. You really think you need that new toy? You're going to complain that you're hungry? You have a pantry full of food, Kraft mac and cheese, but you have a pantry full of food. This, This child might eat once that day if he's lucky. We... I told you this before. When I go up to uh, say my evening prayers with the boys, when I put them to bed, we go up and say our evening prayers. Before we do that, I ask my boys virtually every single night, tell me something you're grateful for. And I want them to put thought in it. It doesn't have to be big. It could be small. I'm grateful that I have a shirt. There are people who don't have one. I'm grateful for uh, air conditioning. I'm gr- Pick your thing. I'm grateful for mom. I'm gra- Whatever it may be. The reason I hammer this into my kids is not just because you should have a grateful heart anyway, because there's never been a grateful communist, ever. You must be a miserable, envious person to be a communist. If you can get your kids to be grateful people, no matter what else they do in life, they will never go to the left. Never. Have you noticed every single thing about the Democrat message in this country is appealing to people's envy? Here's all the things you don't have. You women are so oppressed. Black people are so oppressed. Immigrants, Hispanic people, you're all so oppressed. Gay people, they're practically killing you here. Everything is about the things you don't have. Appealing to one of the worst parts of human nature, something we all struggle with, envy. Well, I don't struggle with it that much just because I'm so wonderful, Chris. (laughs) Quit. But it's just something we all struggle with. So there. Oh, and another thing. As long as I'm on my soapbox here, not that I'm a good father or anything to give out these, this advice. Give yourself some grace and don't be afraid to apologize to your kids. It, it makes them better people when you screw up and you apologize to them. Sometimes we look at our boys because our boys are so well-behaved and so well-mannered and they're such good hearts. They'll come up and say, I'm sorry, I messed that up. We're blown away by that. And we think about it. It's because we do that to them. You're going to have a bad moment. I've had bad moments where I snap at my kid and I shouldn't have. And, of course, a boy just worships his father, right? Snap at my kid. And I just wrecked his world because I couldn't control my temper that moment. I don't hesitate. I'll call him in the room by himself. And I'll say, man, I screwed up. I'm sorry. I should not. It's not. And boom, you can see it in their face. It changes them. Don't be afraid to apologize to your kids. Mr. Anti-Turkey Ally. <laughs> or no, my anti-Turkey Ally. I'm in my 20s, single, and currently rent a house with four other guys. Our house is very like-minded, all conservative, involved in our churches, etc. We even have an accountability group Bible study every week to make sure we're checking on each other and calling each other out if need be. One of my roommates has begun dating someone. Nice girl, good looking, but she's definitely on the left. She attends a very liberal church, has liberal friends, and even wore a Ruth Bader Ginsburg shirt once. But my buddy's in love regardless. Our roommate isn't political and doesn't really know much about politics beyond the fact that, quote, he's conservative. I think it's fine to be a normal person who isn't obsessed with politics like the rest of us weirdos. 
But how do we warn him about the dangers of marrying someone with that type of worldview, especially when he doesn't have strong views himself? What's the right approach? It says, don't say my name. Uh, did, look, a couple things on this. I remember what it's like to be 18, 19, 20. You say you're in your 20s. Man, young love is a thing that it's, it's hard to talk someone out of it. It's easy when you're, when, you're, when you're 40. Now, I mean, I got gray in my beard. Now my hairline's retreating and getting thin. So it's easier for me to say, oh, just uh, talk him out of it. Buck it up. Because at 40, you don't get obsessed with, with a woman. It just, I mean, you're, you're, especially when you've been married a long time, you know, and I mean, you got yours. You're not worried about it. When you're in your 20s and you're dating some dime, I remember what that's like. It's she's all you can think about. And vice versa for women. He's all you can think. It's she's everything. So I don't know that you can talk him out of it. I don't, you don't think so either, do you, Chris? I don't, I don't think you can talk him out of it. If he's got some young dime, I don't think you can talk him out of it. I don't think it would hurt to just simply say this, though. Maybe ask him, hey, man, uh, what are your views on abortion? He's undoubtedly going to be pro-life, I'm pretty sure. Say, hey, why don't you ask your lady what her views on abortion are? Any woman who wears a Ruth Bader Ginsburg shirt probably believes in abortion on demand almost undoubtedly. Might put a little seed of doubt in your buddy's mind. Look, I don't care where people fall on abortion, but I'll tell you this much. If I was a single dude, I wouldn't even consider marrying a woman who'd be okay murdering my baby. Not in a million years. All right. It's time to talk about, apparently we lost another charity. Salvation Army, what in the world has happened to you? I'll explain. You're listening to the Oracle. You're gonna love this one. It's a scream, baby. The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Chris is playing all this Phil Collins just to troll everybody now. I want you to know that because we get all this anti Phil Collins hate in, and Chris is as bad as I am about poking tro- about poking people just for fun. And so now, I know why you do this stuff, Chris. I know why you do it. <laughs> I remember no phone calls. It's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. No guests. Just me and the questions you email into jesse at jessekellyshow.com. But we do have to bring this up. The Salvation Army. Now, let's let's, let's pause on Salvation Army for a minute because I do have to issue another warning to everybody. I have been involved in the nonprofit world. You know this. When I got done running for Congress and losing, no big deal, twice— I went back and I worked in politics in D.C. And I worked for a political group. But it's a small world, that whole political, non-political group, non-profit group. And you start to learn about the inner workings and the salaries and where the money actually goes. Hear me and hear me now. I understand how these, quote, charities, I understand how they market themselves. I understand it's easy to take a a wounded veteran. I mean, who in the world, every single person listening to the sound of my voice right now would give a wounded veteran the coat off their back if he asked for it. It's just, it's something that stirs in us, and it should. Someone goes and fights for us overseas and comes back and he's not whole anymore, lost a leg or something like that. You want anything done for that guy. So a charity will hold one up and say, yeah, donate $50 today. Help wounded vet Bob. You're going to give. Be very, 
very careful about the charities you give to. You cannot imagine how much scum there is in that industry, how much of a scam so much of it is designed just to enrich the people at the top. I've seen these, quote, charities, 20, 30 cents of every dollar actually goes to the cause you think you're giving to. Oh, but the CEO's making 750 G's a year. Be very very careful about the nice sounding name and the good sounding cause. Look into your charities. There are research groups out there who look into and grade charities based on how much they give. Be careful with the charity you give to. Why do you think I go with Tunnel to Towers? Why do you think I love Tunnel to Towers so much? Because I looked into Tunnel to Towers. Tunnel to Towers is out there changing lives with the money that you give to Tunnel to Towers. They're not all that way. Now, there are some awesome ones like Tunnel to Towers out there, and it's not the only one, but there are awesome ones like that. It's not the norm. You need to assume the charity you're giving to might be wasting your dollars. Be careful along those lines. Along with coins this Christmas... Salvation Army wants white donors to offer a sincere apology for their racism. Richard and Janet Munn, this is from Central Nova News, by the way. Richard and Janet Munn are leading the Salvation Army's push to get white donors to apologize. It's part of a push by the Christian Charitable Organization to embrace the ideas of Black Lives Matter, an activist group working to, among other things, quote, dismantle white privilege, and disrupt the Western-prescribed nuclear family. They have created, Salvation Army has created an International Social Justice Commission, which was developed and released a resource to educate its white donors, volunteers, and employees. It asserts Christianity is institutionally racist, calling for white Christians to repent and offer a sincere apology to blacks. Never give a single cent to the Salvation Army again. Ever. Starve them of your dollars. Starve them of your attention. This is wretched filth. I don't care if they're just genuinely really stupid people or if they are evil Marxists like the Black Lives Matter group they tend to support. But I don't care if they're stupid or evil. They're not going to be stupid or evil with my money or donations. Never, ever, ever, ever give again. And let that be a lesson to all you scumbag charities out there. Don't think for a second I won't call you out by name on this radio show. Don't think for a second. Nobody tells me what to say and what not to say. They let me say whatever I want. If I find out you're taking people's money who mean well, you're taking people's money and you're blowing it on on Marxism, I'm coming for you. You understand that? Let it be a lesson to every single one of you. This stuff has to stop. This is crap. I ended up getting myself mad on a Friday, Chris. I, just, I hate it, man. I'll never forget. I'll never forget this charity, this quote charity. And I'll never forget their marketing strategy. They're not around anymore, so it doesn't matter. Their marketing strategy was aimed at little old ladies. So, And it was this huge email marketing strategy. And you had these little old ladies giving away their social security checks. You had stroking, stroking checks they don't have for what sounded like the best cause in the world. The CEO was making a million dollars a year. A million dollars a year. 
And you know I don't begrudge anyone making some money. Go get you that cheddar. That's fine. You don't do that off other people's money when they think they're giving to something good. You don't do it. Again, that's why I love Tunnel to Towers. Dear Oracle and Master of the Cheeseburger, just wondering if you think Tulsi Gabbard is a dime, <laughs> and do you think she will switch parties? Also, do you? Also, I think you sound like John Tesh on the radio. Not an insult. John Tesh? Chris, look up John Tesh. I got to hear this guy. And so, I mean, look, like I said, my voice is this mixture between Barry White and Nectar from the Gods, Chris. <laughs> All right, look up John Tesh so I can figure out what this guy sounds like. Do I think Tulsi Gabbard is a dime? Oh, there's no question about that. It's that gray streak, man. It's the gray streak that I, I hope she leaves that in there. And by the way, everybody, you know she does that on purpose, right? She left that gray streak in there on purpose. There's a reason she showed up at all those Democrats. And I'm not faulting her for it. A woman should use the tools she has at her disposal. That's the, the woman's beauty is part of the tool. What, it's, just, it's in her toolbox. There's a reason she showed up at all those debates looking like an absolute knockout right beside all those Democrat hags on the Democratic stage. So, yeah, of course she's a dime. What, Chris? You have John Tesh? Oh, all right. We got to find some John Tesh. Do I think she'll switch parties? I struggle with this about Tulsi Gabbard. And no, I'm not talking about her looks anymore. I have a real struggle with Tulsi Gabbard, and I think everyone everyone should be aware of it. Hang on. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday, and I got, I'll get back to this Tulsi Gabbard thing. This guy said, I sound like John Tesh. Chris, play John Tesh. This is good. This is good. You guys are going to love this okay. because I'm the guy that likes to lay out in the hammock. But you oh, guys, you I bet guys... you this is about planning something. I'll tell you what. I don't take that as an insult. That dude's got a great voice. Dude's got a great voice. All right, back to Tulsi Gabbard. I don't trust Tulsi Gabbard at all. At all. Now, I'm thrilled that there's a Democrat out there who appears to genuinely love America. I mean, you know her service in the Army. and She appears to genuinely love America. So I don't hate her. I'm not anti-Tulsi Gabbard. She is a gun grabber. She is a huge climate change person. And here's what I'm seeing a lot of on the right. I'm seeing a lot of people say, oh, she should, uh, uh, DeSantis, Tulsi Gabbard, 2024. Ho, 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 slow down, slow down. We have got to stop with this battered wife syndrome on the right where you're so desperate to find any Democrat who's not a complete America-hating communist that you just wrap your arms around the first one that comes along. Tulsi Gabbard, you can like her, you can respect her, you can do whatever. Let's slow down on allowing a career gun-grabbing Democrat in any leadership position in the party. Let's dial that down a little bit. Okay, let's, let's, let's be a lot smarter than we're currently being. All right, Chris. I feel bad about this one. This is a girl, 11-year-old girl, and I don't know how to pronounce her name. Says she listens every single day. I don't know how to pronounce her name. Wants me to read her name on the air. And I want to make this little girl's day, and I don't know how to say her daggone name. I think it's Shauna. It says, hi, my name is Shauna, C-H-A-N-A. So it could be Chana, but I think it's Shauna. I'm an 11-year-old girl, and I love your show so much. I never thought that I like a talk show, but I love yours. 
It's so interesting. I love your stories. I count down to your show and I'm in the car with my father. I'm listening now if you want to announce it on the show. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, kiddo. I, I think it's Shauna, but if it's Shauna, whatever. There's your shout out. All right. Thank you for listening. Thanks to your old man, too. Mula Jesse, heroic shed builder and hermit of college football state, college football, college station football games. For you, for the new listeners who don't know what he's talking about about the shed building thing, I, I'm a really bad person. Everyone knows this. I'm, I'm just a bad person, and part of being a bad person is I enjoy poking at people and getting a rise out of them especially people without a sense of humor. I know that's terrible. People with a sense of humor, I love them so much. People without one, I think I love them even more because they don't understand. So we were, I had, I needed some storage at at my house, some outside storage just to throw some things into my house. I just go down to the hardware store and I bought just one of those. I think it was Rubbermaid. I just bought one of those sheds and it's not even a shed really. It's a closet. And it seriously came in like five pieces I don't even know. Maybe there was a screw for the handle. There was a screw or two for the handle, but the whole thing basically snapped together like a gigantic thing of Lego. It's just a junky shed. It's just a junky shed, junky closet. I, I think it. I think it weighed like five pounds. It blows over all the time. I have to step it back up. So I go outside, and I put together this thing. I did manage to mess something up, and my son was there, and he saw me lose my temper. And it was one of those times where I had to apologize for that. I, it's, it's, it, we're not going into anything. I put this thing together, and I snap a picture of this clearly, clearly just snapped together uh, rubber shed. And I put the picture up online, and I said, I can't believe how many guys out there don't know how to work with their hands. I built this shed with my bare hands. And, of course... My people were all dying because they knew exactly what I was doing. Oh, that's hilarious. You cannot believe how many people were out there. You, well, that's a snap-together shit. You idiot. You're such a loser. <laughs> and so now, to this day, to this day, when somebody insults me or whatnot online and I feel like messing with them, I always I respond with a picture of the shed and say, yeah, well, you couldn't build this with your bare hands. And everyone freaks out again. <laughs> all right, moving on. My wife and I had a baby yesterday during Thanksgiving. Ah, that's cool. It's been a great experience and a great blessing for us. I thought you should know that about an hour after she was delivered, I was holding her while she was crying, and my wife kept telling me to talk and sing to her. I didn't know what to sing, so I started to hum the Marine Corps hymn, and it has worked twice now. My wife rolled her eyes at this mighty success, and she said, quote, Start talking to her more so she can recognize your voice. She probably thinks that Jesse Kelly is her dad. She's listened to him so much. (laughs) Semper Fi says I can say their names. Colton and Hillary, congratulations on a new baby. Congratulations. That's awesome. With Thanksgiving holiday, with the Thanksgiving holiday, I've heard you mention mac and cheese a few times. Do you have a homemade mac and cheese recipe in the same league as your Jesse cheeseburger? Okay, a couple things. One. Yeah, it's called Kraft Mac and Cheese, and I virtually double the amount of butter they call for, and I put almost no milk in it, and it's just creamy and delicious. What, Chris? Salted butter, Chris. Salted butter. I'm not some kind of savage. Of course it's salted butter. Gosh. And remember, pepper the daylights out of your mac and cheese. I'm a black pepper freak anyway, but black pepper makes mac and cheese. Don't, don't, Chris. Don't what? Chris said smoked cayenne pepper. Actually, I'll allow that. That does sound legit. 
Uh, but people keep asking about, should I write a recipe book and all these other things because of my world-famous cheeseburger? And for those who don't know, don't roll your eyes at this point, Chris. Hey, at this point, it is world-famous. We have all these international downloads. The thing is, anyway, people ask me about that because I do make the best cheeseburger on the planet. I've given out the recipe on the show several times. I'll give it out again in a few months. I try to about once every six months tell you how to do it. It's still out there to this day. I think it's on... I think it's on my Instagram page. I think it's on, and the show has an Instagram page at Jesse Kelly Show. If you want to go follow that too, it's the only thing I can cook. People think because I make the world's best cheeseburger, I'm a good cook. I cannot. I I make guy stuff. I have a million different ways I can make eggs. I mean, I'll make bacon, eggs, and toast. Uh, I I can grill some meat on the grill, but I'm not even great at that. I have a smoker where I'll smoke some stuff, but. Even that doesn't take any skill. You find the right temperature on the smoker and you leave the meat there and you come back and you cook it to temperature. I come back when the temperature's right and I pull it off and we eat it. What, Chris? Chris asked if I have the electric one where I set the dial. Yes, I'm not not in tribal lands here where I have to do like wave fans and stuff on it, Chris. No, I'm going to set the temperature and I'll come back. What? I understand it's basically an oven. I just got done explaining how I'm not skilled. I have to, that's how I have to do it. What? That's not fair. Chris said I liked baking. That's not fair. You know what? You're cut off today. That's not fair. No, I don't know how to cook. I do not know how to cook. I make the best cheeseburgers in the history of the world simply because I've told you this before. When I got out of the Marine Corps, I was not doing well. I was fresh back from Iraq. I was really, really, really not doing well. I was a very violent person then. I did not want to be around other human beings. I, when I wasn't working, I would go just back to my apartment, and I just wanted to be alone. I didn't want to even want to talk to girls. I was 22, 23. I just wanted to be alone. I, I would turn out all the lights and close the blinds, and I would sit and drink beer by myself in the dark. Like I said, I was really not, I was not doing a very violent person. I would have violent thoughts all the time about, yeah, I was not doing well. So part of that was I had developed a real love of cheeseburgers in the Marine Corps, just obsessed with them, always trying to find a good burger. I decided, well, as long as I'm by myself all the time, I have a grill. I went and got one of those cheap – I had to wait till it was a clearance sale, and I got a grill, threw it on my back porch. I thought I was rich. I'd never had a grill before, just a regular propane grill. As part of that, I decided I was going to figure out how to make the greatest cheeseburger on the planet. And I just started different mixtures and different things in there. And it, I've been doing it for, gosh, 15, 16 years now. That's why it's so good. I tried and failed a thousand different ways. That's why it's so good. Did you know math is racist? I'll explain. Hang on. What, Chris? We can make jokes. It's fine. You got that right. The Jesse Kelly Show. Jesse Kelly show. Chris was just complaining about Black Sabbath kicking out Ozzy and all their good music was with Ozzy. Listen, there's this thing in life. It's a good rule for everybody, for you, me, everybody, a great rule. And especially you kids who listen to the show, pay attention because this is right. And it always will be when it comes to your job. Always, always, always make sure your talent outweighs your baggage. You have baggage. There's no, there aren't perfect people out there. There's only been one. Ever walked the planet. 
and Chris's people killed him. What, Chris? Anyway, and in all seriousness, you're not perfect. You have baggage. Make sure your talent outweighs it. You want to show up 15 minutes late for your job? You better be the number one sales guy in the office. If you're dead last in sales, you better be there early making a pot of coffee and mopping the floors. Make sure your talent outweighs your baggage. Now, I would argue Ozzy's talent outweighs his baggage, but when you sit down with radio executives at a table and you pull out a dove and bite its head off in front of them, at some point in time, that's going to get too old. People complain about Colin Kaepernick all the time. He should be in the NFL. Look, I hate Colin Kaepernick, but setting that aside, it's not complicated why he's not in the NFL. His baggage outweighs his talent by a mile. You want to be some Black Lives Matter activist crapping on the flag, stirring up all this dissent? You better be chucking the football like Tom Brady, baby. If, if, if Tom Brady was out there kneeling for the flag, not that that's something he'd do. He'd still be on a team making a fortune because his talent outweighs his baggage. All right. California's new educational guidelines say math is racist. Golly, this is from my friend Libby Emmons uh, on the post-millennial. Remind me, we got to get Libby on and talk about this next week, Chris. California is set to adopt new math teaching principles that are based in critical race theory. These changes, which include de-emphasizing calculus, no, that actually doesn't sound bad, and polling programs for academically gifted students, will, quote, apply social justice principles To math lessons. I have said this before and I will say it again. What makes fighting the communists so difficult is you don't look at the world. I don't look at the world the way they look at the world. Theirs is a religion of total domination and destruction. And so they're always seeking out new things to infect and infest and destroy. It's very hard for you. It's very hard for me to combat that. Because these are things that would never even occur to us. Five years ago, five years ago, would you have even thought, wow, we better take some steps to make sure they don't ruin math? The communist doesn't think in that. Of course he's going to ruin math. And going forward, we'll get caught off guard a hundred more times because the communist already has his eyes on ruining something that has never even occurred to you. That's how they look at the world. If you were... If you were in a competition with the communists for 100 islands, let's say you were fighting a war with them, and you won 100 islands, and at the end of that war, you had 99 of those islands. The war ended, it's over, he got one, but you got 99 of those islands. You would wake up the next day, and you would celebrate, and you'd think, wow, what a victory. Look, we almost have everything. It's tremendous. It's awesome. Because you're a normal person. If the communist woke up and he had 99 islands and you got the one, he would wake up the next morning miserable, angry, and absolutely committed to getting that last island. All the communist sees is what he hasn't destroyed yet. That's all he can see. It consumes his entire life. That's how these people think. Jesse, I was a lifer with Rush for 33 years. God rest his soul. I've been searching for someone to replace the time I spent listening to his wisdom with sarcasm of the current political scene. I have found it. Thanks for giving my downtime to work a new place to go. Oh, man. Remember, I ain't no Rush Limbaugh. 
You only ever get one of those in a lifetime and feel dang lucky you had one. But I, I am happy so many people are enjoying the show. I cannot believe, just as a quick side note, I cannot believe these numbers. We keep getting all these numbers in about how well the show's doing. What's wrong with you all? Hey, this is not right. <laughs> I had no idea. Anyway, question. Great Oracle, did you have to go high on the mountain to gain wisdom that you have so richly been blessed with? Or is Chris writing your lines? <laughs> God bless. Says I can use his name. His name is Wade. Uh, no, I mainly got that in community college. Dear, my wife thinks you're handsome, Dr. Jesse. Oh, that's too funny. After nearly two years of watching the way this virus behaves, it seems likely to me that those very early videos coming out of China showing people dropping dead on the street were part of a very effective PSYOP. They've forgotten now, but at the time, people watching them were having to go home and wash their underwear. Nowhere else on earth did the virus have that effect, and remember that the virus basically left China untouched when you compare it to every other country. I believe those videos did more than anything else to freak out the rest of the world. For maybe a few hundred thousand dollars in production costs, China swept their main opponent, Trump, off the table and ensured their dominance over Western countries. What do you think? I think you're 100% right. Look, there's no question about it. You're 100% right. And I, I've said this before, and I've, I'll always mean it. I, I'll never change my mind on it. The worst invention, the most damaging invention in the history of mankind was the photograph and everything that came with it photograph with those came video now we have pictures and video and they say you know a picture says a thousand words a picture tells a thousand lies i think someone else said that line but i'm gonna steal it because i don't know who said it and i steal other people's work and pass it off as my own that's just part of who i am <laughs> no in all seriousness pictures tell a thousand lies and it affects public opinion and it makes people scared it makes people do crazy things they would never have done if they could read about something instead of looking at the picture. Do you remember that picture? You, you may or may not remember this. If not, you can image search it right now as long as you're not driving. Do you remember that picture? It was actually from Vietnam of the communist who got shot in the head. They captured a Viet Cong guy, and there's a picture. Like, like as the guy's squeezing the trigger, he's executing him. Right, Pistols right by his head. That picture set off all kinds of protests across America against America. That communist had just got done slaughtering an entire family, children and children and women too. Even the guy who took the picture said, I didn't, I didn't think there was going to be outrage about it. That guy was scum. A picture tells a thousand lies. All right. More on coronavirus and small business mandates coming. You know they're coming. Hang on. Kelly Show, final hour of the Jesse Kelly Show on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. All right. I, you know what? I'm going to address this business, small business owner question first because apparently I have set off a firestorm. I have a fish opinion. I've brought it up before. I'm going to bring it up again. It is turning everyone against me. All the crazy things I've said, this is the thing that may push me off the air. It may push me off the air, Chris, but we'll get to that in a moment. This one, dear handsome sir. See, that's how you start an email, Chris. What do you recommend small business owners do about the probable vax mandate for companies with less than 100 employees? 
My husband and I own a company in a very blue state, and we currently have 25 employees. You mention a lot about employees and their options, but what about people like us who care about their employees and don't want to see anyone lose their jobs? Please advise the small business owners out there who are anti-mandate but want to keep the doors open. Thanks a lot. Another huge fan like all former Rush listeners. Please don't use my name. P.S. Proud to say I don't own a pair of ballet flats. (laughs) All right. Now, I hate what I'm about to say, and I'm mad at myself for saying it. You got to ignore the rules. Now, I'm not allowed to encourage anybody to break the law, and I never will, but hear me out here. If every business out there, small business, simply complies every time they try to do something illegal, we're never going to get out of this. And remember, they are the ones breaking the law, not you. There is no law that a business has to put a vaccine mandate on its employees. It does not exist. Joe Biden is not a king. Joe Biden is the commander-in-chief. It is his job to execute the laws that Congress passes. Joe Biden does not have the authority to stand up and say, businesses, do this with the stroke of a pen. Joe Biden is breaking the law. It is against the law what Joe Biden is doing. He is a lawbreaker. We can't just all continue to go along with it. And the reason I'm mad at myself for saying that is not because I'm worried about getting in trouble. I'm mad at myself for saying that because it's easy for me to say. I'm not, I'm not in control of your business. It's not my livelihood. And I know what it takes. I know what it takes to start a small business. Not because I've done it because I've watched my parents did it. My parents started a construction business about the time I joined the Marine Corps. And I watched what they went through, you know, mortgages out on your house and stuff like that. I know the sacrifice business owners make. So here I am sitting behind the microphone. It's easy for me to say, sitting behind the microphone telling you defy them. I know that's easy for me to say. I don't have any skin in that game. If your business goes down, I'm not going down with you. So it, it seems selfish and stupid for me to say it, but it's still true. Unless businesses defy this, we're toast. And I will tell you, don't defy it alone. Find other small businesses and join forces. That's what we've been missing on the right so much because we're such individual thinkers and individual people. That's part of the reason you're on the right. If you were all down with groupthink, you'd be a communist. You're an individual. We have to set some of that aside now that we are entering a new era in this country And we must group up. There is power when we group up. That's where the power is. The power in a place like Virginia wasn't because one mom got mad and showed up at the school board. It was because thousands of them did. The power is in the numbers. And we have the numbers. Even in your blue state, you have small business owners all around you. I know you do. Who feel the way you feel. Group up. Get together. Come up with a plan. And I applaud you for trying to protect your employees. I, I, I'm so disappointed in America's corporate world. I just I cannot believe how many businesses out there 
just chose to lay down for this garbage. I'm so mad about it. I cannot believe how this has happened. I think it is such an absolute disgrace. It is a stain on this nation that so many businesses out there just laid down for something that isn't even a law and treated their own employees like crap. Where do these people get off? Where do these people get off? Who does that? Gosh, it makes me so stinking mad. Dr. Jesse, if you had to choose between these foods for the rest of your life, which would it be? Pancakes or waffles, bacon or sausage, Philly cheesesteak or Primanti Brothers? All right, let's address this last one first. Chris, what's Primanti Brothers? Chris, would you look it up while I address the other ones, please? Primanti Brothers. Oh, I'm sorry. You actually have to do something. First, first off, pancakes and waffles. I am a pancake guy. I love pancakes, so I won't be painted as anti-pancakes. There's nothing like a waffle, though, because you get extra butter and syrup, and you basically have not – it's not even a waffle. It's a, it's a bunch of little mini bowls of butter and syrup. Gosh, I'm starving now. Bacon or sausage? I'm going to catch heat for this. Sausage. I love bacon. I love bacon. I had bacon for breakfast this morning. Sausage gives me more options. I have Italian sausage. I have hot sausage. I, I, mean, I mean, look. What, Chris? Chris, do you think you should be weighing in on the pork debate? I mean, there are a lot of things you could be weighing in on. I think maybe when we're discussing pork, you can sit over there and sit this one out, pal. Okay? Read your Old Testament again. Moving on. Did you look up Primanti Brothers? What is it? It's a chain sandwich restaurant? Well, I'm going Philly cheesesteak then. And I'm sure Primanti Brothers is great. I, 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 just, I don't know it. I, I don't know it. All right. Let's address the fish thing as long as we're talking about food. I don't care how many people this makes angry. You're welcome to email me your hate, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. But here it is. You ready for this? You don't like fish. You're pretending. You're lying to yourself and to others. I don't like fish either. And you know how I know you don't like fish? What do you say when you take a bite of fish that isn't good? You all say the same thing. What do you say? Everyone knows it. What is it? It tastes what? What'd you say? Fishy. Hmm. That's so weird because I've never bitten into a steak and said, Ooh, this is, this tastes too beefy. I've never bitten into a bite of chicken and I ate a lot of chicken and said, Oh my gosh, I can't believe how chickeny this is. But you bit into fish and you didn't like it and said it was too fishy. Why is that? Allow me to elaborate. You bit into fish and didn't like it because it tasted like fish. You don't like fish. You like a bland piece of meat that is prepared the right way. This is what people will say when I say you don't like fish. I'll get responses like this. Oh, yeah, right. You've never had my grandpappy's deep fried fish. It's deep fried I'm sure it's good. That doesn't make the fish good. Or you'll get a lot you'll get a lot of this especially from southerners. You know, we have a bunch of Louisiana listeners. We'll get a bunch of this. I I guarantee I'll have emails like this. Uh, you've never had my mother's. She pours crawfish et tu fait over it after she blackens it. Buddy, I could 
I could pour crawfish etouffee over a jock strap and it would be delicious. That doesn't make the fish good. You like how fish is prepared. Fish sucks. Everyone knows fish sucks. Everyone knows fish sucks. What, Chris? Don't shake your head. Chris, I don't want to hear any of your arguments about fish. You can't defend it because everyone knows I'm right. Dear Jay Smooth, I pose this question to every veteran I ran into over the last 10 months. I've gotten mixed answers and would love your take on it. Let's say the left continues to shred the Constitution and the citizens finally revolt. If this revolt were to lead to some form of civil war, where would our military stand? Would they ignore orders and stand with the people against the government? Or would they turn their weapons on the people? Your thoughts, sir. And he signed it, a disgruntled fireman trapped in a liberal wasteland. I don't think you want to know my thoughts. Remember that book that I've recommended a thousand times? You remember what it was? I mean, we've had this talk before, and this is, this is a difficult talk. It is, especially because Americans, you and me, don't we kind of revere our military? As we should. I mean, those are the brave men and women out, out there putting it on the line, living hard lives, fighting, dying on behalf of us. So military people have a special place of reverence for most of us, right? Same, same as cops and firefighters. It's just people who wake up every day. I mean, I wake up and talk in a microphone. Those guys wake up and maybe die. It's just totally different. But, I mean, you want to talk about it? We're going to talk about it in just a second. He doesn't care if you believe him, but he's right. Jesse Kelly. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on a Friday and Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. The question was, in case you missed it, guy wrote in and said, if, if a civil war were to break out, and obviously nobody wants that, I would hope nobody wants that, but if it was to actually happen, where would our military stand? couple things. Do you know what our military leadership is like right now? Barack Obama went in there and fired over 100 generals and filled this military with a bunch of America-hating scumbags. Those are the people who lead our military. I had a private conversation this weekend with um, someone who would know. I'm going to leave it that way. With somebody who would know and... Our military is much, much worse than even I've been saying. It's much worse than you can imagine. And our military is, I'm just going to emphasize this, and I cannot give you details yet. Our military is not ready for combat with China. Not ready for combat with China. Let me just clarify that. Our military is currently painted rust. We have communist America-hating losers at the top. That's one. Two. Have you ever read the book Ordinary Men? I've told you about this book a bunch. And remember, I'm not, I don't know the author or something like that. I'm not, they're not paying me to say this. It is not a book about the Holocaust. It is a book about human nature. And here's the basic premise of the book. And I, it, I, I, you know it's a family show, so understand this book, probably not appropriate for all ages of kids. I mean, it depends on how old your kids are. I, I would probably let... Man, I don't know if I'd let my 13-year-old read it. I probably would, but I'd be hesitant. I'll tell you that much. It's heavy because here's the basic thing behind it. When in Poland, 
Nazis had already taken it. And obviously they weren't big fans of Jews, but it was a peaceful place because the area was already conquered. We got all these Jews in this area and you hate them because you're a Nazi scumbag and they wanted the Jews gone. Well, you're not going to leave your crack troops in an area that's already conquered. You need your crack troops up at the front line where there's fighting. You need them against the Ruskies and whatnot. So you take your completely average troops, your, your reservists is what they were. You take your middle-aged, overweight reservist troops, and you throw them there because they don't have to actually do anything. They're, they're, they are, it was called a police battalion. That's all they were doing. You're guarding intersections and stuff like that, peaceful places. You're not, you're not fighting. And so these men, these were not actually Nazis. Remember, everybody who fought in the German army in World War II wasn't some Jew-hating Nazis. There were tons of guys who were just patriotic Germans, and then the Nazis took over, and you're all, uh, okay, I guess, I guess we got to do what this Hitler guy says now. Well, these guys were that. Then we're not talking SS lunatics here. These are just fat accountants, the reservists. And one day, Nazis decided they were going to start killing all the Jews in occupied Poland. And they had this battalion. They gave this battalion orders to go execute a bunch of Jews, men, women, and children. But it was actually mainly the women and children. Picture this. They were hauling off the men, women, and children. And, I mean, how, how precious are kids and women? I mean, you know you know what a jerk I am. I can't even raise my voice to women. I, it just it's, They're women, right? I mean, they're women. They should be treasured and protected. So you've been given orders now. They order this unit, this reserve police unit of 500 men. They order them to go shoot a bunch of women and children in the back of the head. And I'm sorry to be so graphic about it, but that's what happened. They knew because this, these weren't a bunch of card-carrying you know, Nazis. It was, weren't a bunch of SS guys. They knew or assumed a bunch of men would be very uncomfortable with this. They didn't sign up to go kill Jews, execute Jews, right? They take the 500 men and they stand them up and they give them the option. Anyway, anyone who doesn't want to participate in this today because they were going to go in a village and round them all up and go shoot them in the head in the forest. Anyone who doesn't want to participate in this today can sit it out. 500 men. Do you know how many said no? 10. 10 said no. The other 500 went and snatched up women and kids and proceeded to do things that you would consider demonic. And, oh, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I, all the stories are there, how much they hated it and how guilty they felt. And apparently they all went and got blasted drunk that night trying to forget about it. But that doesn't put some child's head back on his shoulders, does it? Be very, very careful about saying things like, oh, the military would never, the, 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 I know our troops. History says otherwise. History says otherwise. And Chris pointed, Chris just said they did it again and again and again. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I could point out they went on from there to do it again and again and again. And by the end of the war, they were looking forward to it. They, were, they had just lost all humanity. And you know what? Here, here's something sick for you. Virtually every man in this unit, not all of them, but virtually everyone, Got off scot-free in the end. Went right back to their lives. Just living a German life. Right back to the old accounting job, being a lawyer, just keeping up my shop. How sick is that? How sick is that? 
Dr. Jesse, man, that got heavy. That got you know what, Chris? Get me some Frito Bandito. That was too that was too heavy. It was too heavy. And yes, Chris, you're right, Massad did get a few. Yes, they sure did. Give me some Frito Bandito. Ay, 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 ay. I am the Frito Bandito. Hey, I like Fritos corn chips. I love them, I do. I want Fritos corn chips. I'll get them from you. Ay, 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 ay. Oh, I am the Frito Bandito. Give me Fritos corn chips and I'll be your friend. The Frito Bandito, you must not offend. Munch, 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 Frito. Oh, I feel better. I feel better already, Chris. <laughs> Back to your questions. Dr. Jesse, I'm a civil engineering student getting ready to graduate next May. I have several big name engineering companies telling me they want to hire me upon graduation. Long story short, the highest paying positions are being offered by civil engineering companies that have diversion, diversity, equity, and inclusion departments, or they have vaccine requirements. I have the vaccine because I was coerced into getting it by the state of California, but I absolutely refuse to show proof of vaccination. I feel terrible for having given into the system and complying, but I felt I had no choice. Jesse, am I setting myself up for failure? I need some help. No, you're not setting yourself up for failure. You're going to be just fine. I'll explain. Hang on. I'm dragging me down, gonna stand my it is the Jesse Kelly Show on a Friday and Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. I want to address this question real quick. Guys getting ready to graduate, going into civil engineering. Bunch of companies don't want him. Wants to, or, or he doesn't want to go work there because they have vaccine requirements or diversity and equity departments and all this ridiculous crap, and he has to be setting himself up for failure. No. One, you're a civil engineer, which means you're a brain and probably a total weirdo in a good way, so you're going to be just fine, but you are going to set yourself up for failure if you launch yourself into the major corporate world at this point in time. I. This is hard. This is hard to to say because you're affecting people's dreams and things they've worked hard for. We are in a new era in America where choices will have to be different than the choices your parents made and the choices their parents made. You've been out there busting your butt in school to get your grades and get graduated and go be a civil engineer, and you can still do that. Find a smaller preferably family-owned, but find a smaller civil engineering company in a red area. And I am perfectly aware of what that means money-wise. I know because I get these emails all the time. I understand. Uh, Jesse, I'm graduating and I could go work for this Fortune 500 company and they're offering me 200 Gs a year. Or I have this smaller company that's in uh, rural South Carolina and they're only offering me 60 grand a year. I'm not here to sacrifice money, and I'm not here to tell you, you know, money doesn't matter, obviously. I I want you to be successful. Go make a billion dollars if you can. I want that for you. But I am just, you're going to have to take it from me on this one. I have lived everywhere, everywhere, all over this country. You cannot put a price on living in an area that shares your values And I can't tell you all the little miseries that come with living in an area that does not. 
That does not. I brought up yesterday, I was at the uh, Lincoln Memorial doing that reading, reading the names for Tunnel to Towers, and I had this lovely young couple come up to me. It was complete blessing. I mean, people were coming up to me all day long, taking pictures and stuff like that. It was fun, but I had this young couple come up to me. They were living in D.C., and I've, I've never been so blessed in my life. They said, Jesse, we're out of here. We're moving to Tennessee. We're taking your advice. They're going down to Tennessee to get married and make babies. They'll be a million times happier than staying and trying to wade into that filth. You, as someone on the right who thinks on the right, you don't have unlimited options within the United States anymore. The corporate world is too rotted and filthy. But that doesn't mean you don't have options. You just can't have any option. Someone I'm very close to right now is actually losing their job because of the stupid vaccine requirement. And going through this new hiring process, person's highly qualified, amazing resume. Everything isn't an option. Everything isn't an option. Some things aren't options right off the bat. Jesse, my liberal girlfriend and I are having a discussion slash argument about getting the kids, girl, two girls, five and seven, vaccinated up in Boston. I, I'm adamantly against it. She's for it. I'm conservative. She's a nurse and keeps telling me she knows the medical field and that the doctors she works with are getting their kids vaccinated. We are at an impasse. I told her she will probably get her way anyways because I'm sure Massachusetts will pass down a mandate. I'm not budging, and I know she won't get them vaccinated without my approval. I don't know what to do. It would be too much of a burden to move. Any words to help sway her? I don't know your woman, buddy. I, I don't know your woman, but I will tell you this. I don't know that you have to sway her because a, a liberal nurse in Massachusetts working with a bunch of liberal doctors may not be able to be swayed yet. So why don't you stop trying to sway her if she's not going to do it without your approval? And that's awesome. That tells you that that's a good woman right there. Just tell her, honey, wait. It doesn't have to be yes or no today. Let's wait because they're already revealing. Look, it was in mainstream news organizations. It was the Wall Street Journal today. The Wall Street Journal came out and the people are having problems, man, real problems. And I'm talking kids are having real problems. Give me just a second and I dig this thing up for you. I know it's unprofessional, but I don't prepare for the show. People are, here it is. Based on data, this is from a Marty Makery uh, medical doctor. This is, there was someone wrote into the Wall Street Journal. Get this, get this. And you look, you can look this up yourself. The headline is, should you vaccinate your five-year-old? And then he goes on and he says this. These are his words, not mine. We should not be giving healthy kids a second vax dose at the three-week interval, especially boys, where one in 7,000 get myocarditis and one in 136 of them died. Vax deaths could approximate... COVID deaths in boys 5 to 11 with no comorbidity. 94 COVID deaths out of 28 million kids 5 to 11. Nearly all had comorbidity. Based on the data, kids with no comorbidity are estimated to basically not be at any risk at all. And yet the second dose of the vaccine, this again, this is not me. This is a medical doctor from the Wall Street Journal. The vaccine is more harmful to these kids than coronavirus is, period. Now, I'm not telling you to try to sway her with that. Maybe you can't sway her. Maybe she can't be swayed. 
But I am telling you this. One, it's really, really cool that she's waiting and not doing it without you. Two, just say, hey, honey, I know we're not going to come to an agreement on this. Can we agree that we'll just wait? Let's just wait. More and more information is coming out. Just wait. Just wait. Remember, this is making it into mainstream news outlets now. When I read that article for you earlier in the week about how all three of the vaccines, all three companies, all the effectiveness is going down after six months, I mean, drastically, most by more than half, that was the L.A. Times. The L.A. Times is a communist rag. Just wait. If you're a business right now, you don't want to do this, wait, wait, wait. Time is our friend. There's no need to rush into anything right now. There are court battles going on. They, we, they just had another discovery this morning. The CDC, because of a Freedom of Information Act request, the CDC came out and said, um, ooh, this is awkward. There's actually not a single recorded case of, an, of a person who had coronavirus and got over it spreading coronavirus after that. Not one case in the entire United States of America. You think that's not going to be involved in these lawsuits, man? Just wait, all right? Hi, Jesse. I heard that Ron DeSantis is planning to sue over the vax mandates. So are any other Republican governors following suit, or is he alone? Love what you're doing. Keep up the great work. He's very much alone. But there, no, there are other Republican governors jumping in. And look, I'm a heavy D fan. I'm, 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 I like a lot of what he's doing. I'm a big fan, all right? You know, I don't wave anyone's pom-poms, but I'm a big fan of what he's done. I am getting a bit frustrated, though, how the other Republican governors are waiting and following his lead. Let's go, fellas. Greg Abbott of Texas, other Republican governors. Heavy D can't carry the whole load. He's one guy. Let's, let's, let's go here. Getting frustrated with it, man. Getting real frustrated with it. So let's let's let's, let's perk up here. Chris, will you play Dome for me one one more time? She bring she brings me up, Chris. She brings me up. With that, I'm happy to take any questions. Right. Oh, uh, Simone, are you? Are yes. Shall uh, I, oh, my oh, microphone was not okay. on. So okay. let's do our first question from Felipe Ricard from Le Monde. Oh my gosh. <laughs> She forgot she was assigned questions. Gosh, this woman. All right. we. Uh, I'm going to turn through as many more of these questions as I can here in this final segment. Feeling a little stocky? Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly DC. Jesse Kelly show on a Friday. One more segment. Gosh, that sucks on an ass Dr. Jesse Friday. Look, if I were you, I would wait until this segment is done. And then I just go right to iHeart, Google, Spotify, or iTunes. Don't roll your eyes, Chris. And I would download the entire show and listen to it again. Look, you know, there are just some amazing takes for me that you missed. What Chris? They're amazing takes you missed from me in there. Go download the show. Dr. Jesse, I know on Twitter you just retweet when people call you a racist or bigot or whatever, and it's hilarious. How would you handle it if it were a national stage, national debate stage? I think it's a bit more of a slippery slope because it's a lose-lose if you defend yourself or not. Do you just ignore it? 
Would you call them a name in retaliation? Curious your thoughts. Since I can use his name. His name's Steven. Uh, yeah, I'd call them pedophiles. I'm not making that up. I'm not even trying to be glib either. Look, I, you don't get to play offense with me. This is the new right. I play offense too. If you're going to level accusations, I mean, do you realize how common it is to call somebody a Nazi? Do people, do people truly understand how evil the Nazis were and the things the Nazis did? Do you, um, the Einsatzgruppen, you ever heard of them? They were the hardcore Jew-hating Nazis that accompanied the German army. Remember, the German army, like we talked about earlier, they weren't all Nazis. A bunch of these guys were just German troops. You don't want your regular German troops to have to kill all the Jews you want to kill. In places like the Czech Republic, things like that, or uh, you know some of the Eastern European places, the Einsatzgruppen would haul people out, Jews out, and they'd hand them pipes and they'd beat each other to death. You call somebody a Nazi, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Don't you dare think you're going to level an accusation like that at me and I'm not going to come up with something equally vile to lay back at you. You don't get to call me a Nazi and then have me try to, oh, that's not true. My friends are Jews. No, 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 no. If we're playing offense, we're going to play offense, pedophile. That's how we're playing this game now. Hey, Jessica, you know, that's not nice. I've got two questions. When is your book coming out? Have you even started it, bro? Oh, I haven't started it. Oh, and I, it's funny you brought that up. I actually had to sit down with a bunch of fancy pantsers last night, and they started riding me again about writing a book. I hate writing. And I know people say, just, uh, just get a ghostwriter. I'm a bad person. You know that. It feels dishonest. If I use a ghostwriter, it feels dishonest. What, Chris? I'm not going to credit my ghostwriter in the acknowledgments. Look, if I use the ghostwriter, I'm not giving him any credit at all. But it, no, it feels dishonest to have someone else write it. And I've said this before, and I'm, I'm sure it's something else wrong with me as a person. I get that. But you asked me to sit down and do a three-hour radio show. Fine. You want me to sit down and do an hour-long TV show? I do one every single night on the first TV. Fine. I, I do both in a given day. And there aren't butterflies or something like that. I'm having a blast, as you can tell. No problem. No problem. Time of my life. As you can tell, we enjoy ourselves. If you were to tell me right now that I had to go home as a condition of my employment, I had to go home and I had to write a thousand words, just a, thousand, a normal article, a thousand words. I would, when I sat down in front of my computer, I would have that feeling in the pit of my stomach like you get when you speak in front of people. It's that bad. I would delay it when I got home. I'd find a million different things I had to do instead. Find the wife would have to start riding me. Go get your writing done. I, I hate writing. The thought of writing an entire book sounds horrible to me. Absolutely horrible to me. Jesse, can a state refine its own oil and use it within that state? If gas prices were, say, $1 in Texas, then commie blue states would be at such a disadvantage, the free market might be strong enough to shake off the Federal Department of Energy, which controls interstate energy as well as international policy. Could Montana do a pipeline to Canada oil and sell it themselves? I mean, theoretically, yes, the problem is the feds 
have so much influence over what the states do these days, way too much influence over what the states do, that even a powerful state like Texas, I don't think they would stand up to the federal government if it came to a head. That's don't. And remember, this is this gets way more complicated than we can just break down right here, but it's not as if you just yank oil out of the ground and boom, it's it's ready. Throw it in my car. I'm ready to roll. I mean, you have to refine it. It just it 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 takes more, and we don't do everything everywhere. We'll ship off unrefined oil to get refined somewhere else and then ship back in the refined oil. It's just just because your state has oil doesn't mean you have what you need to gas up your car. That's the best way I can describe it. Happy birthday and happy Veterans Day, you handsome devil dog. He's talking about the Marine Corps birthday. That was just that was two days ago. Simple question. When can I take a break? There's a ton happening every day, but I feel like I'm losing my mind trying to pay attention to all of it. How does the Oracle relax and tune it out, or do you? Love the show. Okay to say Chris. Chris. Huh, how about that? His name's Chris. He was with Fox 2-1. How about that? Semper Fi, my brother. Listen to me, everybody. It's not just for him, everybody. Right now, because things are bad and they're going poorly, it's easy to feel stressed and overwhelmed and everything's hopeless and whatnot. I understand that I make my living because you listen to my show. I get that. If it becomes too much, turn the freaking thing off for a couple days. You ask what I do? I've told you this story before. My TV producer is obsessed with politics. And he asked me one day, asked me in my ear when I was finishing up my TV show. He was mad about something Biden did. He said, do you ever turn it off? Can you believe this? And I said, brother, I turn it off about five seconds after I take this earpiece out of my ear. I love what I do. And I'm the most blessed guy in the world to be able to not work for a living. But when I'm done, when I wrap this up and I wrap up my TV show and I go home I don't touch politics till the next day. What do I do? I go home. I hang with the wife. I hang out with my buddies. We watch movies. I read books. I watch documentaries. I just, Shut up, Chris. I know it's a little nerdy. Get away. And there's nothing wrong. Look, I'm not telling you to give up politics because this stuff matters. That's why we're into it. It matters a lot. And I'm really not telling you to turn off the show permanently. Take a day. Take two. Take three. The world's going to keep on turning. Keep your chin up. There's more of us than there are of them. We'll be fine. That's all.